Hello and welcome to the It's Not Personal podcast, a podcast about making work more engaging, more fulfilling, and ultimately more human by taking the ego out of leadership. I am here with Ken Grady, a Fortune 500 CIO and business leader, as well as gentleman farmer and snappy dresser. And I'm here with Seth Rigoletti, my always friend and often collaborator and co-conspirator. Seth is an executive and communications coach who's worked with a number of different organizations and whose superpower is helping people understand the difference between what's being said and what's being heard. All right. Well, Ken, nice to see you again. Good to see you, Seth. How are you doing? You guys, last episode, we checked in. You checked in with me. I'm checking with you. How are yeah. you doing these days? I'm, I am tired. Are you tired? I am tired. Are you yeah. tired of, of, of a thing or are you just tired? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that there is just these moments in our lives where, you know, I don't know what it is. Like sleep is hard and, you know, the, you don't, I don't like really make space, right? Like mm. I'm not sleeping well. It's not like I'm like doing less. I'm still doing all the same things. And it's interesting to notice the waves, the ups and downs, right? I don't know if you feel that way sometimes. Like you're working out a lot right now, right? Like you've, you yeah, do I've a lot of Peloton. Created a new habit. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. And I'm sure you feel like you have more energy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I still hate, I'm the kind of person that, um, I, I hate exercise. I hate it every time I do it. Yeah. I hate it. And the way people talk about the runner's high yeah. and you, you're, I know a big cyclist and you've done a lot of things out there, but I'm like runner's high. I used to run a lot. I was in the army years ago and I feel nauseous. Is that what right. you mean by right. runner's right. high? Right. Like I've never right. felt it. But, but to your point, I have noticed that if I stop doing it, then I definitely feel different. I don't have the same energy. And, and so I do think there's some self-care in that yeah. of making space for yourself and prioritizing yourself right. so that you can prioritize others. Yeah, it's such a big part. And in, in when we talk about bringing our full human, right? Yeah. Feel, one of the things that's hard about work is, you know, I, I, nobody, I don't show up for clients with all of the baggage of, hey, I may not be paying attention to you today because I didn't get such great sleep. I don't show up like that, but I do have to work with that, right? Like, mm. I can't ignore that that is actually happening. Like it is harder, right? It's harder. I got on the, the bike today and it's hard. Yeah, It's hard to like push through that resistance. And then, you know, I think there's a, there's a tax, right? That, mm. that you end up paying in the long run. And remember that, if you want to be a full human, you want to show up to work fully, like you got to make some space. Otherwise, you can't. You yeah, can't I, I think, boy, there's a lot there. And I think about this. I know we're going to get on to other topics. This is a really good one. I think that, you know, I think about wellness, three dimensions. And I'm not a wellness expert. I just, this is how I think about it. So others could think about it differently. But I think about your... I do think about the physical wellness because the physical wellness contributes to other aspects of wellness. You need to take care of yourself. I think about mental and emotional wellness at an individual level because if you've got a lot of stress, if you've got anxiety, if you've got worries, those are things that can, if you're not addressing, if you try to bury them, they, they, they're going to end up eating at you. And then I think about organizational wellness yeah, because the individual wellness is part of, you know, being, you can't bring yourself to the team, to your client you know, to your, those that you lead, if you're a leader, 
unless you're grounded in a good place and creating, to your point, space for others uh, to be grounded as well and, and express what they have those moments. We talked a little bit about right. that in our last episode, right. actually. So there's so there's a is funny because when you showed up, I was just um, texting with someone. We were trying to meet up and we were getting squeezed on both ends. Mm. And it was like, maybe we could have this half an hour meeting. And I was like, well, it's not really, it's not going to be like that, right? Mm. Because we're meeting in physical space. It's like we're coming out, I'm coming out of one meeting, he's going to another meeting. And it's like, no, it's not going to, let's reschedule. Because I'd rather reclaim and give him that half an hour, right? Or or just meet and shake hands, say hi, right? Let's not try to actually have a meeting. Because... You know, the clutter piece, the organizational piece is such that we try to cram everything into the day. You know, we talk about the Zoom meetings. Remember we yeah, Zoom days? fatigue like and Zoom back-to-back. Well, Back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Right. And, like, there's no gaps. And when we do that, you know, we create a kind of narrowness. And I've and been doing all this, um, trying to do meditation hmm. in the last uh, month or so. And it's been fascinating how much resistance I have to making the space to sit down and sit with my feelings and my thoughts Mm. and my breath. And it's amazing how different I feel when I make that space. And I'm not talking about an hour. I'm just talking about like 10 minutes, right? Just 10 minutes and I will do anything. I will wash dishes. I will mop the floor. I will clean the bathroom. I will do anything to not have to sit down. (laughs) It's funny because the way that I do that, this is actually a really good lead into what we are going to talk about today. Um, But I use meditation when I'm on the Peloton, Mm -hmm. actually, because I hate the feeling so much. I distract myself by actually meditating on how I'm feeling about things, about thinking about work and planning. But which is funny, I use I use meditation as a way to escape from the physical <laughs> or a way to stay more present, right? Like because it is it is a hard thing. You can't get away from when you're on that bike and you're doing the spin class. Oh God, I wish can't, I could. Can't get away, and yet, but but when you just really accept that, when you do that work and accept that, you can be more present. In which case. Things I don't know. Things happen. Things happen in my body. But I want to I want to pull back because actually the the story you were just telling about trying to connect with somebody and we'll we'll just make it work right and we're gonna rush it in or we're right. gonna back to back because today we're gonna talk about a thing I am super excited to talk to you because this has actually been a thing that you and I have worked on over the years mm. with uh, both for you and I also with team members with mm. colleagues etc. And actually kick off every podcast by saying, this is your superpower. This is the thing that I think helping people understand. So this is, we title this, you hear me, but are you listening? Right. And this goes both ways. Because I talk about, you know, the difference between what is being said and what's being heard. Right. And then there's the listener's part, which is, you know, am I really, truly listening to what somebody's trying to say? Am I waiting for the opportunity to respond, in which case you're not really listening at all? Yeah. In fact, that's one of the worst things that I think we do. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk. I, I was so looking forward to this because I know this is something that uh, – What I mean, why is it so hard for us to listen, mm. authentically listen? Why is it so difficult? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot going on for us. First of all, I appreciate you saying that. It is it's hard for me uh, to, to take the time to, to really pay attention and listen. But what I noticed 
when I, when I first started to recognize frustrations I was having with communication, what I, what I started to learn was I was trying so hard to be heard. I wanted to be understood so badly that I wasn't listening to a single thing you were saying. Mm. And what somebody helped me, I can't remember how this came about, but somebody helped me to say, like, why don't you flip that? You know, what if you put all your work, all your attention on trying to understand the other person? And, and, the, and, the, and it wasn't purely selfless. Like, like the, the promise was, what if you did that? And what if by doing that, you were more understood? And what I want to say about this is that, you know, listening is this superpower. Hmm. We use the expression, thank you for saying that about me, but it is actually a superpower that we all have. Yeah. It is this empowering, incredibly bizarre skill set. That if we can listen to someone, if, if you've ever really been in a room where someone listened to you, really listened to you, or you felt heard mm-hmm. in such a way that like you, you were seen, could have been a total stranger, could have been a therapist, could have been a, a, a priest or a monk or whatever, but somebody really heard you. It is the most, it is transformative. It is absolutely transformative. Because we don't get that. We, we are absolutely, for the most part, we are starved for it. Well, I, I've told this story out loud before, and I always go back to this. I think um, my father was a physician. Mm. And when I was little, you know, eight, nine years old, maybe smaller than that, he would take me on his rounds with him mm. uh, as a surgeon. And so he'd say he'd introduce me to his patients, you know, in the hospital. He's checking in on them post-surgery or whatever. And he'd say, my little helper's here today. And anyway, that was great. I remember that. We always go to Arby's afterwards and have beef and cheddar. And my, my dad was a vascular surgeon. And apparently he didn't care about that because we go get beef and cheddar. But okay. But there was this one time. I, this stands out in my memory. It was little. And we, South Fulton Hospital, outside of Atlanta. And we got in the elevator. And an uh, older gentleman got in after us. And uh, I went to my dad and he said, oh, my God, Dr. Grady, it is so good to see you. Mm. And he said, my wife is doing so well after her treatment. I'm here to visit a cousin or something like whatever. And my father asked after him and after his wife and glad to hear, is she continuing on with treatment, you know, et cetera. And had a conversation that might have lasted like three three floors on the elevator. Right. And then the, the, the guy got off. And door closed and we were going up another floor or whatever. And I turned to my dad and I said, Dad, who was that? And he said, I have no idea. He said, it happens a lot. He sees a lot of patients, um, you know, and, and so people will come up to him. And, of course, that wasn't even his patient, right? That was the husband of his patient. But he didn't remember in the moment. But what I took from that mm-hmm. was my father made that man feel heard, mm-hmm. cared for, and important in that moment. But he didn't say, I'm sorry, I don't remember you. He turns and gave him his full attention. And the man walked out feeling better for that. Mm. And I, I mean, again, I was like, I don't know, seven or eight years old. That has always stuck with me. Yeah. And, and, and I think part of it is because if I think about the way this tends to work is we are so used to being corrected. We're so used to being um, managed you know, it's like, oh, I think you may have me confused with someone else mm. or, oh, I'm not so sure. Can you tell me a little bit? Like this whole, we, we, we're embarrassed. We're embarrassed most of the time. 
in the and your dad's ability to like willingness to just understand what what was needed in that moment. What was needed in that moment wasn't uh, it wasn't about him. It wasn't about him. That's that was really well said. It wasn't about him in that moment. It was about this gentleman that needed to express his gratitude in, in that case, right? Um, and feel heard. Because if he had said, you know, "I'm sorry, I don't remember," it, but that wouldn't have made the man feel any better. That wouldn't have helped the situation. But instead he chose, you know, kind of a kindness in that moment and really gave him his attention. And if you, I was just thinking about your, your comment about the feeling needed to be heard. God, it is so, it, it's amazing. You know, we go through this life, most of the people I coach who are on their way up. So they're ambitious. They're, let's say they're management, senior management, associate director level, right? They, they, they sense that like, mm, I'm on track. I could, I could really, if I could just be heard in this meeting, mm. everyone just saw how, saw how smart I was or how much I knew or what I can do, boy, would I really just, I'd be VP tomorrow. And that energy creates such a need that that person can't understand why they are still Management, senior management, associate director, you know, right. five, six years later, you know, 10 years later, why am I stuck? And it, and you realize like, oh, because you are actually needing more from that group. Yeah, there's this, I, boy, I was having a conversation recently and talking about somebody that's an up and comer, different organization, but, you know, is really frustrated yeah. with uh, their lack of progress. So like just you were describing and it was exactly what you were describing. Boy, if, if people just knew how smart I was, totally. it'd be great. And, and somebody said, there's an arrogance to that. Yes, there's an arrogance to that that has to do with, I am. I need to be important. Yeah. So there's an arrogance that is tinged with, which is usually the case, arrogance tinged with insecurity. I yeah. need to be validated. I need to be important. I need to be seen. And yeah, there's no space there. There's no space there. And it's impossible to actually, I think it creates even barriers to right. being heard. Right. Because do I know this person's going to actually accept, you know, input, feedback, coaching, thoughts, whatever questions. Um, and I think it's when I said arrogance, I mean that's a that's a pejorative word. But there's this natural inclination. I, I want to justify that a little bit because i think as humans we are all the hero of our own story <laughs> yeah right and i think this is kind of where some of this comes from is well i'm the hero i'm, I'm super smart i need to be the hero I, I need that validation um to feel like i did well today yeah right and right. i want to kind of you know figure out a way to make that happen now here's what's interesting to me you get into a room 15 other people project steering committee whatever, business meeting, business review. <laughs> when you realize that that's what everyone in the room is thinking, mm. suddenly you get this free, uh, freedom? Yeah, freedom. Freedom. Is the it's freedom. Like, it's suddenly yeah, it's like, freedom. oh, wait, I am not the hero of any of their stories. So how can I, this is, the, this is the, the charter as a leader, right? Our charter as a leader is to help others to get the best out of our team, to get the best out of each individual, to help them succeed. So let's assume that we're in that context. As soon as you realize that they're looking to figure out how they can walk away feeling good, 
it gives you, I, this is back to taking the ego out of leadership, taking the, the, the ego out of, you know, the organization, mm-hmm. gives you the opportunity to think about how do I make sure they feel seen and heard? Yeah, let's tweak that a bit. All right. Because we want to make sure we want to make sure that we're not putting pressure on the outcome. If you change that just enough and you say, how do I make sure that I am seeing them mm. and actually hearing them? I think that's a better way right? to say it. Because you know, look, people bring a lot of noise to every interaction. Mm-hmm. They bring a lot of defenses, a lot of like projections right so they just you know you can you can have a conversation with someone and not realize that they think that you're their dad they're talking to you but they're not talking to you they're talking to their dad right or their mom or whatever and like there's this sense of like oh you're not actually you don't actually see me you don't actually you don't actually see me but that the only way we can actually deal with that is if we can really settle down and not make them some sort of projection, not get some sort of need from them and like actually just listen and be present. Well, let me take it out of, you know, the mom or the dad, I'm not going to go to edible complex or, or whatever. Um, but let's take it to the workplace. And cause I deal with this all the time. I deal with this all the time because I am responsible for it amongst other things. And I get new leaders, executives, colleagues coming in, and they're, they're bringing in their preconceptions of what it was like to work with an IT function oh, at another yeah. organization. Right, right. And, you know, maybe their other organization, I don't know, was big, small. They ran the help desk. They didn't do this. They outsourced. They, but they just have a ton of preconceptions. And if I don't make, if I don't listen really hard, to help, oh, okay, I see. So in your last organization, you outsourced a lot and that created these constraints and we might have a different approach to it. And let me make sure that I understand the, the stuff that you're not saying that goes along with the stuff that you are saying mm. so that I can, okay, well, that's great. Let's talk about how, I don't want to say how we do things around here, but what opportunities do we have to help make you successful? Because ultimately in my role, my job is to make the team Others, colleague, the business ultimately successful, mm. and but it is you have to listen really hard to what people. You have to listen as hard and sometimes harder to what people don't say. Oh yeah, right. As much as what they are saying, right. And and in that, um, so there's two things. There's a lot I want to say about this. But there's two things I want to point at. One is from a technical background, right? So you're coming at you're the IT person. And they're coming to you to ask for something or tell you to do something, mm. whatever it is they're telling you. And what what I find is that people get really wound up when they have to talk to somebody technical if they don't totally understand the technical. So they'll like have some words that they'll some language, some jargon that they think means something. And you have to listen carefully to what they're saying and be curious. So listening has to come with curiosity. It's this is the only way to do it, right? You can't listen and know. You have to listen and not know. And be curious about what do those words mean to this person? Because you don't mean something to you, they'll mean something to your team that might send them off in a direction 
we have to we have to deal with these APIs. And like you'll be like, I know what that word means, but I don't know what it has to do with this situation. And like you might be like, oh, tell me more about that. Well, this is a, okay. So two things about that. Uh, go to that last statement. Um, but the one of the best ways to clear up to make sure number one people feel heard and to clear up that because I said you know I've got to listen really hard to understand what preconceptions they might be bringing to their request, their conversation, their whatever, to help them. I also have to make sure I know which one preconceptions I might have. Well, yes, right. That's that's the curious gets rid of that, though, right? It does. And I think there's a very simple tactic as a leader to doing this, which is, or individual contributor, whatever, which is to play back. this This is not the first time people will have heard this, but of course, to play back. Here's what I heard you say. You know, you say you say that people will have heard this. This is the this you want to know what a therapist does? <laughs> they do this. And like this is I mean, I know they do other things, but this is the thing, right? Like people don't understand how powerful that is. This is what I heard you say. Make sure I heard you right. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. I have had people, I have given people back exactly what they said. They said, that's not what I meant at all. (laughs) And Ah. I said, great. Tell me what you meant. Great. I'm so interested in hearing what you meant. But what's important about that is that I didn't get activated. Right. Right? Because I just told them what I heard. Right. Right? And then I said, well, help me understand. The other thing is, when you hear your words back, it is like, again, that rain on the desert. It is unbelievably, or sunshine on a cloudy day. It is such a, when we hear our words back, it it does something to our nervous system where we we settle down a little bit. Mm. Yeah, well, the other, the other thing, you actually said it, and it's so funny, because I learned it from you, which is the it's four words that are some of the most effective words to make people feel heard and to get more out of them. Say more about that. Say more about that. Uh, to the point where I say that, I say that at work now in a meeting, and somebody just said, don't, don't Seth me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you're, you're Sething me right now. Like, no, no, no. turn it over. But it is true. This is one of the ways where, you know, again, in that hypothetical, somebody coming in, asking for something, they need a new project spun up, whatever. And, you know, you feel like sometimes I'm like, am I getting all the information here? Yeah. Like, what preconceptions? And just as simple, say more about that. Yeah. Getting number one, people love to talk about themselves, their priorities, their objectives, right? So yeah, but, a, but there's a thing you're doing when you do that that we want to acknowledge hmm. because people love to talk about themselves, but they feel like we feel like we're shouting against a brick wall. Yes, right. So when you say, "Tell me more about that," or "Say more about that," all of a sudden that wall opens up. And and you'll watch people kind of like they'll sort of like they'll yeah. sort of, they'll grab themselves a little bit like oh um well let me think like let me actually formulate what I'm trying to say rather than just shout at you. <laughs> it's so incredible that and it it really is this effective super effective tool in creating relationships um, with your peers counterparts colleagues team members to just simply invite a little bit more um, about what their priorities are, about what the problem is that they're having right now. Invite a little bit more. And like you said, it's like 
it's like sunshine on a cloudy day. Like people ah, just open up. And it, it is, it's remarkable to me that this is, and I, I get it. I, you know, again, we're all busy. We've all got priorities. We've all like, okay, I, I know you need that, but I need this, right? So I'm going to go shift over here. But the, the, if we don't, as leaders, force ourselves, model this, create the space, uh, the relationship just gets harder. It's headwinds. So we want to talk about that piece about the relationship yeah. in a minute. But before I do that, let me talk a little bit about the, the listening piece. Mm-hmm. So... Um, this, this, when I think about when, when this was really introduced to me, it was in this kind of way, it was when I was sent, I was sent on a, you know, kind of like a, you need to learn more about counseling, uh, as a teacher, like you need Mm -hmm. to learn how to deal with kids. And there was a program called Stanley King where all these teachers and counselors would get together and they would learn all these Stanley King was a, a teacher, a counselor who broke down all these elements and listening was a huge part of this. And you do these exercises where you sit across from someone and you you just let them tell you that your their story and your job is just to repeat back what you heard. Mm. And every single person we did this with would start crying. And I, I'm not talking about like, these aren't like people like crying because they're on you know, because they're stressed out and freaked out. These are people crying because they'd never heard their words back. They never heard, they never mm. felt listened to, mm. right? Like we are trying so hard all the time to be understood, to be seen, to be trusted. And when you actually give somebody that, it is it is an unbelievably uh, generous and Ideally, like generous and also kind of freeing experience. Mm, yeah. Now, when you do that, you put, and you talked about money in the bank, you put investments into that relationship. Yeah. And, and what, what, tell me a little bit about what relationships when it, in an organization that's a big organization, when you're working IT, where everything you do touches everything. Mm, yeah. What are relationships worth to you? Yeah, in this day and age, I mean, we're all technology enabled. Um, and so I don't care what company you're in. You're, it's a technology enabled company in some way um, these days. The and, and yet, and yet, the technology is there for a purpose. And the purpose is to, I sort of touched on this a, a moment ago where I said, you know, one of the core functions that I and my team have is to enable others to be successful with less effort, like yeah, through automation, right. through development, through technology, through better reach, through better scale, you name it. And so really, even though it's bits and bytes and software and networks, it's really all about people, whether that's my the employees at the company I work for, whether that's the customers that we provide product to, whether that, whatever, it's, it's a people-focused uh, change that we're delivering. You know, we're changing the way somebody engages with the company. We're changing the way, whether from the outside or the inside, et cetera, or the way they work, get stuff done. And so we spend actually a lot of time talking about people and the relationships we have with them, because if we don't understand how we're going to enable that change, what headwinds or resistance there might be to change and never underestimate people's willingness or proclivity towards the familiar over the better, hmm. right? It's hits all the time. You know, we, people are going to choose what they know before they choose something new, even if promises improvement. So it goes to this understanding and empathy. 
And to do that, you got to have relationships. You really need to understand and create that space. And in in your line of business, when you don't have those relationships, this is when I think somebody says, um, "Can I've I've." I've talked to some vendors and I've come up with some some ideas. Oh God! How we, right? right? <laughs> I hear it all the time. Because what, because, we all do. because what is that? What are they telling you? They're telling me in that moment. So this is this is what I take from that, you know. And and of course, I'd use the techniques that we talked about about. Oh, here's what I hear. Let me say more about that and those kind of things. And but what I'm hearing. So back to the unspoken, is what I'm hearing in that moment is, oh, you didn't know that I or my team have skills that could help you do this faster, better, or you didn't trust, perhaps, or you had a bad experience that you're building off of, but now you're here and, okay, well, I'm not going to send you away packing because that doesn't really service the objective. Um, Let's talk more about this. Let me hear what problem you're trying to solve, Mm. which is what I always start with, is what problem are we trying to solve here? Mm. And tell me about the software. Just tell me the problem we're trying to solve and how we know we're going to be successful. And that gives that, you know, creates that space. Mm. Now, but I want to flip this back for a minute because I think we've been talking a lot about listening and making sure you're listening to the unspoken and to the assumptions and mindful of your own and ways to get people to lean in. But there's the other side too, which is the speaking, you know, the, because let's say that I am that person in the room that wants to be heard because I really do think I have a great idea or way to solve this problem. But I'm encountering what I think is people not listening or not understanding. What what do we think? I mean, how do we, how do you coach people through when you're in that moment? How, what's your advice or kind of let's talk through that? Yeah, so this is a good one to, to think about, and it's actually connected to the listening piece. Yeah, so the, I think so. The um, I think of communication. Uh, most communication, conversational communication, as like a game of catch. Mm-hmm. That if you if you think that you and I were to were to play catch, throw a ball back and forth, that you, very quickly you realize it's not about the ball. It's not about who has the ball. There's no winners or losers. It's not a like it, we don't we're not you know we're not t- keeping track of how many. It's just it's just something about the quality. And the feeling, you know, when people play catch, there's something happening between them. Mm-hmm. And in communication, we get so focused on the thing that we're trying to say, the ball, right? We get like, I'm going to give you this ball and it's going to be like the most amazing thing. And when we're receiving the ball, we're so com- com- like committed to our own, like, but I have a ball mm-hmm. that I want it. And that ends up being this weird, like, you're not actually playing catch, you're just throwing balls at each other, right? So if I can slow down, if I am if I feel like I'm not being heard, the first thing I have to say is like, okay, I'm not being heard in part because I might be throwing a ball at somebody. So let me figure out, can I catch what's being thrown at me? And then this is an acting thing. Can I add in, mm-hmm. right? Can I put something on that ball? Can I put something to that, that that adds into the conversation? And ideally, um, if you can throw it back, showing that you caught it and that you added in, ideally they'll throw it back to you. 
In other words, the there's that's a that's a conversation. If you think about a conversation, you remember that story I told? Like every, I think it was our first episode where I talked about you know a colleague that I, I called my nemesis and I, I said yes, this is not right. working for me and and I tossed him something and he came back with I created that space for him to come back and say I'm under so much pressure. Right. So it was I had realized, and so I think a lot about this because this is this is again I think a it's it's key to leadership, to organizational development, to um, accelerated success, whatever you want to call it, to development. And I do think this is a skill that anyone can learn, frankly. Um, but I was struggling because I didn't feel like he was listening to the value proposition that I and my team were bringing. Right. And so I had to create. So this is like I'm throwing balls and you're not catching. Right. What's going on? Right. And so that was that moment where I had to reset and say, uh, let's talk about, let's talk differently. Mm -hmm. Let's change the cadence. Let's change something about that this. right there. So like, you, so we're stuck in this thing where we're like chucking the balls or shouting at the wall. He was throwing whatever. balls my way. Right, right, right. So we're like, we're, we're stuck in this, this thing. And you just said that, like, what can I do to change the cadence? And, and basically we stop thinking if we, if I can stop thinking about why aren't you listening to me and I can flip it and say, am I listening to you? And am I curious about you? That's the next step, right? Yeah. So I can't just be like passive and just listen. Right. I got to be actually be curious about you. And if I can flip that, what happens is something shifts. Now, not a hundred percent of the time, like this is not just so I'm clear. This isn't like a, uh, like a algorithm where you, Put something in and something else comes out. It's it, it you're trying to change the dynamic hmm. so that something else can happen. Because you're gonna keep getting what you get, right? And so we if you look at communication in general, on the internet, uh in in sort of the streets, like people going back and forth say, saying things to each other, keep thinking they're gonna get something different <laughs> and keep doing the same thing. Yeah. You know? So can we change that cadence? Can we change that dynamic? In the you start with by being curious about like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Well, and I think I think about this a lot because there's a lot of different kinds of communication, right, that we do in day to day and work. And you know, sometimes it's the conversations we have, sometimes it's the meetings, sometimes it's presentations. And right. you know, the most successful folks that present for effect or present for impact start with, okay, what's important to the people in the room? Such a great question, right? What 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 do they care about? And you can do this with any any of these scenarios. Is I think this is the fundamental. And again, it goes back to setting your own ego aside for a minute. You might have an objective in mind. Like I need to convince them that we need to invest a million dollars in this thing because I'm convinced that we have high ROI. Business case, yada yada yada. I want to get this drug approved. I want to get like whatever. But what's important to the people I'm going to be talking to? Mm. How am I going to speak in their language, not mine? Mm. Maybe we share a language. Maybe we don't. And in a way that I know is going to maximize the chance that yeah. they're going to hear me. That's a great way of saying it. Maximize the chance. Because you're, you, there are no guarantees. Like right. I, when, I, when I did the pharmaceutical work preparing for FDA hearings, you know, you'd have these, I mean, these, ah, they're so smart. The MD, PhD, MBA, like they had every letter after their name, MPH, you know, they had everything. 
And they would want to get up there and they would want to tell the independent advisory committee panel, this like bunch of experts, independent, who are there to hear your story and then vote mm. on whether they think you're making a good case. They would want to talk to them like, you have to. I, I, damn it, I went to Harvard. <laughs> I, I teach at, you know, whatever, Johns Hopkins. Like, you have to listen to me. And I'm like, yeah, they don't. Actually. <laughs> they don't have to listen to you. And you know what? You are not, you're not in control of this. So can you, can you think about what they care about? My God, the, the best, is sort of related to that, but the best interview question I have ever been asked, it's not my current role, former company, CEO, going for the CIO role, right, leadership position, part of the executive team. And he asked me, as a part, we were walking around, we did a, he did interviews about walking around, it's fun, it's a whole different thing. But he said, hey, we had great conversations about, you know, leadership and technology and the team and planning and you know, all the kind of things. But he said, what will you do if I say no to an idea, like yeah. to a proposal? Yeah. I said, wow, I've never been asked that before. It was great. And I said, well, you know, this is, it, it is related to this because it was this opportunity. It set me back, number one. It was interesting. I was like, I need to think about this for a moment. And I said, you know, I assume you have context I don't have as the CEO. Uh, you have other demands on investment opportunities. You have other ideas mm. that are competing for space. And so I would ask you for that context. Why are you saying, why is no at this time? And if I feel like I still have, maybe I have context you don't have. Right. Then I want to make sure that I've shared that additional data so that you have all the information to make a decision. And it was just great. And by the way, I did get the job and we went on a great working relationship, but I always came back to that. Like all of us have this context we operate from. And we need to be mindful that the people we're communicating to have their own and yes. thinking about, okay, what is that contact that the approval board was making decisions in? And how do I speak in kind of, at least with a mindfulness to that context to maximize again, the chance that they're going to hear me. There's so, there's so much in that, that I want to draw attention to, but the, 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 and I'm probably going to mangle this, but this, this is like the thing if, if you could help people under people who know things, so you know things, and that CEO knows things, but your things that you know and the things that he knows or she knows aren't necessarily the same things. Mm. How, what do I understand that if you understood, you would agree with what I'm asking for? Mm -hmm. And what do you understand that if I understood? I would understand why you're not saying yes. Right. And and that's complicated. That's super, like, and I don't even know if it makes sense in, on the podcast, but like the idea that can I get curious also about what I actually know? That if you knew, you might see this situation differently. Yeah, I work with, you know, many of us do, but we work with vendors and salespeople and things. And, and the good ones are those that make me feel like they understand my context and that their solution helps me solve my problems. Mm -hmm. Like that's a very straightforward thing. But the remarkable thing is that we develop that skill in sales, but we don't develop that skill actively in leaders. No. And certainly we don't select in a technical field. Um, 
that's not like a primary selection criteria no. uh, in many organizations. No, in fact, in fact, it's you. It's really hard to even cultivate, right? Because you, there's an assumption that you should just trust me because I'm an expert. Yeah. Oh gosh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, there, we deal with the curse of knowledge you talked about earlier. I yeah. assume that other people, you know, know that I know stuff and you should, you know, I don't even have to explain this stuff. How, how do I even choose what stuff to tell you about? Oh That's, my God. <laughs> that was the thing I saw in the pharmaceutical work was that someone would ask a very simple question, like, why did you use blue? And they get an answer that was so so much more information they needed. I think this is a particular risk, a call out for those that work in in, in technical fields yes, broadly, absolutely. like scientific fields, engineering fields, software fields, etc. We we have the curse of of again knowledge, experience. We we want and oh my gosh, and we have a passion generally around what we do. And we want to share that passion. And when somebody says, why did you choose blue? Let me give you the nine months of market research I did on this and like yeah. the testing. And it. No, it, I, like, I, need, I need the short answer. I need the thing I can actually absorb and understand. Yeah. And, and the, the, the thing that's hard is when you do all that work and you understand so much, you, you, yes, it's curse of knowledge. And it's also you kind of want to show off. A little bit. I think there yeah, is a little bit. We want, this is my bit. moment on stage. This is my moment to shine for you and to yeah. make you understand how smart I am. Yeah. And that's not actually the objective in that moment. The objective is to, you know, advance the, the conversation, get a decision, build a relationship, whatever it well, is. We don't know. I mean, you'd be curious about what the objective is, because sometimes we don't even we get confused. Mm. Right. So the the thing the thing about the listening, what you did so well a couple of times when you said tell me more and whatever like with that one person um you know who was like i have so much pressure mm. you you can stop and say what's the, look for the confusion listen for the confusion there's often something happening which is like wait a minute we're both on the same team there's some confusion here because i'm getting yelled at or i'm getting pummeled in this way like i did something wrong so let's look, let's look at where are we missing each other? I think that's, you know, it's also a really effective tool. Like, so if you come out of a conversation, a meeting, uh, whatever, and you walk away disappointed, you're like, I didn't get that chance to shine. I didn't get the, my point across. Right. People didn't understand me. Right. That's the moment. Like, if you ever self-reflect, if you're in that, that headspace where you say, they just didn't understand me. All right, that is a signal. Yeah, right. That is a signal. huge flag. Right? It's a huge flag that you need to stop and say, "Why?" Back to the curiosity. Why didn't that go the way I wanted it to? Or am I even? So this is an interesting thing. Even like, is it that it didn't go the way I wanted? Is it that it didn't go well? Yeah. Or is it that I didn't get credit for it? Or someone didn't like tell me how smart I was? And whatever that looks like for any of us, right? And and what I, I think we have to do is when we make space and we listen, we're putting our ego aside, which you've talked about a couple of times, some of these podcasts, putting our ego aside. And we put our ego aside. If we start to feel that resentment of like, I wasn't heard or I wasn't understood or someone else took credit for what I said or whatever the thing is, that's a different thing if you're a woman. But like, if you get that feeling, you might start, stop and go like, okay, but did I, did we, did we achieve what we set out to do? 
right? Yeah. Hey, and I think we should, because you, you highlighted a good thing, because there are times where I think, unfortunately, there are cultures, toxic cultures, toxic companies, you know, right. things where you're you're not getting the support, you're not getting right. the space. And I think those are moments where you pause, reflect, and think about, is it possible for me to get yes. the support I need? Thank you for saying that. Yes. Is this even possible? Right. And I think, you know, and then if you reach a realization where you think it's not, then you have a different set of choices. You can escalate this and seek a different kind of support. You can choose a different culture. You can choose a different place if that's an opportunity available to you. But you can start to be proactive about it rather than defeated about it. And you can start to think yeah, differently. I think that's really important to to call out, too, is that, like, you, you know, you, you can be the morals. You can be the Dalai Lama of listeners. Right. Right. Like, you can be so amazing at it. But it doesn't change the fact that the culture or the person you're working with is toxic. What we're talking about, though, is we jump to that conclusion so quickly. Mm, yeah, exactly. We assume bad intent, right? We assume that, like, you're not really listening to me. When, when we flip it, say, am I really listening to you? Yeah. Like giving space for you. We create an opportunity for maybe we'll find each other. Yeah, and you, and you might not. I mean, this is the reality. It's, you know, I think that that... It's important to start with that curiosity, but the curiosity could lead you to, okay, I've got to change. I've got to make a different kind of change. You know, it's not a cadence change. It's not a, we're not catching the ball for each other. It's that I got to find a different partner to yeah. work with in this it's a person, or a different path. The person who you're working with, every time you throw the ball to them, they put it in their pocket or they chuck it in the woods. You're like, oh, this isn't actually going to work. Right. Right. I, I think that a good exercise a good practice. And I I spent a long time, many years, trying to practice this because I wasn't a good listener at one point. Um, not that I'm a great listener now, but I'm much better than I was. And the, the practice is in settling down my internal engine, my like that excitement or, or need to be heard. Mm-hmm. Settle it down. And be curious about the other person. What are they telling me? And then rather than rush to tell them, oh, you went to a Pink Floyd concert? I went to a Pink Floyd concert. Like, rather than rushing to tell them the thing, just be curious and ask them a question about it. I, I'll, I'll say similarly, I think that this has been my realization over time, is that, and it's, <laughs> I've always been blessed by the fact that, like, I've never needed to feel like I was the smartest person in the room because I knew I wasn't, right? right? Because I've worked read a lot of super smart, well-educated, Nobel Prize winning scientists. Like, I've just, I've had a great opportunity to work with super smart people. So, okay, I know I'm not the smartest person here. So that's helpful. But it also gave me, I don't know, like back to the sense of freedom to ask the questions, to not feel like I need to prove a thing, you know, to try and contribute when I can, but really listen to all those smart people. And, you know, again, the benefit of the role that I play is leading a function that sits in the middle of so much in a business. And so I do think that positions us to uh, come up with novel combinations of solutions and bring that back in a way that other functions wouldn't. And so that's that's kind of our value proposition. And I, I love that. And they don't all work, but, but we win more often than not. And that builds a reputation and it builds kind of, you know, the team success. I, I think that is something, I mean, if you think about, 
in a technical field, how hard it is to let go of the idea that you're supposed to know the answer. Mm. Like that is a big thing. It's a hard thing to let go of. And I knew that when I, when I was working with the scientists and the doctors and all that stuff, when I was doing that work, I was so in over my head. I mean, I didn't even take, I didn't even take physics. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, I almost failed out of biology in college. Like I had no business, you know, pointing out things in the slides and being like, that looks wrong to me. Right. <laughs> and I had no business telling them I understood what they said when I didn't understand what they said. But because I was interested in what they were saying, and if I was confused, I could say, I didn't understand that. Yeah. Can you explain it to me a little differently? And because I wasn't trying to show them that I was smart, right? Right. Like you were saying, because I wasn't trying to show them how much I understood. They were like, they got much better at talking about it. Mm. But the, but here's the thing I want to just, here's the secret thing. If you're, to get back to your question about like, I need, I want to be heard, right? What, one of my big questions to them was what do you want me to hear? And that's a big question. When, when I'm in a smart space in my own head, I can say, what do I want you to hear? Because just asking that question simplifies and clarifies what I'm trying to say. And then I can give that to you. And then if you didn't hear that, I can clarify, simplify it again. And either you're willfully not hearing me, right? Or you heard me, but you don't agree with me, which is a totally different That's problem, a different thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, this is a topic that I know we could, we could spend a lot of time on. And Good, I know yeah. that actually this is going to build into our next topic, which is what's the story? Yeah, what's the story? What's the this, story? This, this is one of your favorites. This is, it is one of this my favorites. It's something, again, we've done a lot of work and I, I, oh, I have stories to tell about stories. Stories to tell about <laughs> stories. And, and the listening piece, you know, it's much easier to listen. To, to like connect, to build relationships when when you present information in story form. Well, that's why I wanted to have this conversation before we talk about stories, right. because I think getting ourselves in this mindset as leaders and people that work with different functions and build relationships and advance the business, it's, it's all people. It's yeah. all, and it comes down to some form of communication. Yeah both the delivery and the reception. And it's shocking how we don't talk about that as a development. Because as I said, there are functions like sales, marketing, that that develop this skill. I think any of us can develop the skill to the betterment of our teams, to the betterment of our careers, to the betterment of the businesses that we're a part of. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Ken, it's as always a total pleasure to spend this time with you. I'm, I feel so uh, grateful to harken back to our last episode. So grateful for the time. Thanks very much. Well, I want you to get some rest before the next one. Sure you said and you meditate, whatever it is you need to do. Go, go for a long bike ride. I know you're a big cyclist. No, I've, you keep saying I'm a big cyclist. I hate cycling. <laughs> I just only do it because I want to raise money to, to you know, to destroy cancer. So I, well, I, I do the... It's a noble cause. The, yes, that's right. <laughs> so it's good. All right. Well, hey, thank you as well. I, yeah. I, I Like you, I always enjoy the opportunity to sit down. And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs>